in your baseball life. From the Jethro's Barbecue Studios, now featuring CBD-infused seltzer to get happy, legal for 18 and up, this is Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. For 75 years, NCMIC has been doing the right thing for its customers, employees, and the community. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Number two, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Trent's plays of the day coming up here at about 10 minutes before we get out of here at noon. And Nick Athen on uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, still to come right now, Dave Sproul. KASI 1430 on the AM dial. And Learfield. Look at that. The Iowa State Radio Network, Dave Sproul joins us. How's that, Dave Sproul? That, uh, did you get new business cards yet? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to probably brag about that too much. I don't want to, you know, put anyone off or anything, but I am looking forward to the football season and getting to be uh, kind of inside the booth there and yeah. working with John and Eric and the crew, and that's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Can't wait to hear you. Uh, Brent Bloom did a terrific job. You got big shoes to fill, but you're a pro, and uh, we know you'll handle not, it. Not literally, of course. No, true. No, that's very Tiny true. shoes. <laughs> Now, that's not fair to our friend Brent Bloom, but it's true. I mean, he's I, one of the few people in the world I tower over. That's why I like Bloom. Yeah, why you like him. Uh, Dave, did you see the uh, the points of emphasis? So the uh, the uh, all of the media days, they have the uh, the head of their leagues officiating uh, make an appearance and talk to the media about some of the things they're going to really crack down on this year. Horns Down actually came up uh, when it came to the Big 12, and it's going to be a penalty, or it may not be a penalty, so not a lot of clarity there. I guess it depends who you do it, when you do it, etc. Um if you're walking back to your own sideline and you know, no one's around and you do it, probably not going to be a flag. But faking injuries is going to be a point of emphasis this year. Boy, I, 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 I love the fact that they're, they're putting that on the table. How do you officiate that? I mean, do you, does it go back to, you know, upstairs from above, if if the uh, uh, if there's a camera angle, you got a guy walking off the field, and you can see one of the coaches say, "Get down, get down, get down," and then all of a sudden he falls. I mean, you can put two and two together there, but boy, that's kind of a slippery slope, right? When an official says, "No, you're not hurt," when we don't know. Yeah, that, that is really going to be a struggle, I'm sure, to enforce that. I mean, it's it's our it's hard enough to enforce the rules that are already in place, and then you're asking officials to make judgment calls like that. And I haven't seen the, 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 the details about how that's going to be enforced, but apparently, like, the head of officiating in the NCAA can get involved here. And uh, I, I think there's some kind of process after the fact. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be something that can be enforced or will be enforced in games, but maybe after the fact okay. there's some kind of judgment or, or punishment laid down. I, I haven't seen all the details on that one quite yet. So it, it's not... You know, it's it's always something every year. They're they're adding it seems something different or maybe something more to the list of things where officials have to use their judgment. And it's not a clear cut. This is a penalty, and this is what isn't. And uh, now, yeah, you got the horns down thing, which they really didn't clarify much right. on that. And you got that, and you got other rules that are just really difficult to enforce. And that's why there always comes up this points of emphasis. And then it's just leads to more controversy. So here we are. That defensive holding automatic first down is one of my least favorite rules in the NFL. And now it's come to college. Mm. I, 
Who was asking for this? What fan, what coach said, you know what we need? This crappy rule that the NFL has, you can't like it, do you, Dave? I don't like it necessarily, but I can see where coaches are coming from because so many coaches now come from an offensive background, and it's a rule that benefits the offense. Yeah. You know, and I saw another tweet, too, that uh, I think one of the points of emphasis is going to be the um, the illegal, you know, ineligible uh, downfield rule, in which an offensive lineman, you get like a three-yard buffer there where they can go upfield on like an RPO and still end up be penalized. In the NFL, that's one a one-yard buffer, but coaches don't want a one-yard buffer in college <laughs> because they take advantage of that three-yard buffer so often. So the the rules, you know, they're going to tilt towards the offense, and that's probably going to stay the case for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, the um, I'm, I'm glad that uh, they're involved in this one. Un, unspo- I guess they call it disconcerting signals, where we see, uh, you know, a, a linebacker or defensive lineman try and throw off the offensive line with a clap or something uh, in the middle of a snap count. The defensive shifts is interesting because I thought that that was, you know, a really part of the game. Um, you know, they're they're down in their they're down in their stance, and all of a sudden, you know, for whatever reason, the entire defensive line takes a step to the right they, they they take a different gap and they do so in unison and we've seen we've seen offensive linemen jump at that do you like that change no not really uh, i'm kind of an old school believer in the idea that the offensive line the offensive players should know the snap count so they shouldn't move there's no reason for them to move before the snap because they should know what the snap count is and shouldn't be thrown off by defensive movement on the other side I don't even like necessarily rule. Uh, I think it's in the NFL and college both, where the uh, defensive player can come offside, and, and if an offensive player moves in response to that, then the, it's a penalty on the team. I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. The offense knows the snap count. You know when the ball is going right. to snap, and if the shift on the other side of the defense throws you off, you're, you're just not very good at your job. I'm with you. I, I don't understand, but. Well, more and more offense. I guess mm-hmm. this is the way that we go. Yeah, you can shift guys obviously offensively, but not being able to do it defensively nope. it doesn't make sense. It, it doesn't. And and to your point, Dave, I just got a text from an official. He says you're 100 percent right. That the, that the faking injuries is going to be dealt with post game. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe go. so that makes more sense because in the middle of a game to do that, yeah. tough to do. Sorry, Trent. No, that's that's okay, Dave. As we get ready for it, your takeaway from your mark, what you heard from him yesterday, his first public statements and a guy that certainly well he's not going to take anything laying down it doesn't seem like he's a guy that seems very aggressive on the surface yeah and a lot of talk obviously at these these media days and that includes uh conference commissioners and you know especially curious to hear from a from a new guy and yeah you're saying all the right thing about wanting to be aggressive and uh, not wanting to you know sit back and wait for events to unfold and in fact uh, you know trying to take charge of events and that's all well and good but you never really know how that's going to go until you find out oh this other conference has been having secret uh, discussions with your membership about moving on and uh your your secret uh, discussions with other conference schools uh, may not mean so much at that point so it's still a lot of uh, unknowns out there and uh, it's probably better to be aggressive than to be passive, certainly in this situation. So if that's the case, then maybe it'll give Yormak uh, a bit of a heads up or a, a, a advantage 
But uh, we'll have to wait and see how it all plays out because you can talk all you want, but when uh, mm-hmm. when the stuff hits the fan, that's when we really find out what these guys are about. Indeed, it is, and and one of those uh, uh, one of the potential changes is is moving to ten conference games, which you know sadly um, might might bring it into Cyhawk. Uh, so yesterday, Mike Gundy was asked about the Bedlam series, and he doesn't think how, he doesn't see how they can play it uh, if indeed they do grow to ten games. Which I get why they're talking about it. It's better inventory. It might be worth more money uh, in their contracts with the networks. Brett Venables was just asked at Big 12 Media Days about his thoughts. He wouldn't even talk about it. He didn't want to. He didn't even want to address uh, Bedlam. Of course, he's the one that's uh, coaching the team that's uh, that's headed out of the conference. So that is going to certainly be uh, very interesting. Uh, Dave Sproul is our guest, uh, fourteen thirty KASI, and of course, uh, now part of the Learfield Broadcasting Network. So if you take a look at this, uh, Dave, the schedule overall for Iowa State. Um, and, and knowing what the team lost, obviously generational tight end, maybe um, a position was you know, sorely underutilized for years until recently. And uh, obviously the back-to-back running backs, the quarterbacks had all the records before he left, uh, the linebacker crew going to be different. What do you think is realistic for this team? And do you think, like some do, that Matt Campbell, for whatever reason, uh, and this Iowa State team, exceeds expectations better than lives up to expectations. Yeah, you know, it's an interesting take because we don't have a a great deal of uh, history to go on with Matt Campbell, even though it feels like he's been around for, and he has been around for a while, but it it was kind of the build the first few years, and each of those first few years, uh, leading up all all the way to the, uh, the, the bowl win against Oregon, it's, it seems like every one of those seasons, Iowa State exceeded expectations. And then last year, expectations reached a, a very high level. And then Iowa State couldn't quite live up to them. But I go back to a point I've talked about quite a bit. Uh, Iowa State has tended to play in a lot of close games. And in 2020, they won a lot of those. And 2021, those, those didn't go their way so many. I would expect more close games this year. But I think, you know, in the range of six or seven wins is probably a pretty good outcome for Iowa mm-hmm. State, considering the, the amount of turnover and the new talent that's going to be in there. And you're, you're playing in a big, tough conference and you're playing 10 major, uh, uh conference opponents. And, uh, you gotta, you gotta, you know, try to keep up with, uh, everything going on in the college football world. And, you know, the recruiting has gotten better. And overall, maybe from a raw talent standpoint, a lot of these, you can make an argument that this team coming up might have more. Uh, just raw ability, but it hasn't been honed the way that those more experienced teams of the last couple seasons has been. And these guys haven't been through the fire yet of, of playing those close games yet. So I think six, seven wins is probably perfectly reasonable. And I know that might be frustrating to some, might be exceeding other uh, expectations. I, I don't know. But I, I just think considering whenever we throw everything in the mix, uh, the way this Iowa State uh, team is built this year and the opponents they have to face, I, I think that's a, a decent number. To win close games, a lot of times you need a kicker. Yeah, <laughs> who's the kicker for this yeah. Iowa State team? <laughs> Beats me. Yeah, <laughs> right. I I don't think we got a real clear answer in in spring ball, oh. uh, and uh, I think you know it might be a situation where we see a couple of uh, different guys trying out in 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 ways um, when it comes time for the actual you know first game of the season, and maybe you know a team like Southeast Missouri is good fodder for trying out some guys at different uh, positions and uh, giving them some chance because it's probably going to be a pretty one-sided game. But I will have to wait to see. And, and of course, there's going to be a lot of battles through the fall camp. And, you know, we'll 
probably won't get a lot of indications because, you know, these coaches don't like to give away anything uh, when it comes to position battle, even when it is special teams. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll have to find out. I, I, I just think that uh, they might be in a better position depth-wise in, in some ways. I mean, reliability-wise, I don't know, but they have a lot of options. i can give you that much. Did they have, do they even have a kicker, uh, a returning kicker on the roster? Do you know? I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at five guys here. Yeah. Drake Nettles. Did he ever get? Yeah, an opportunity? no, he he was there though. That that would be yeah. the answer, Trent. Redshirt junior from Council Bluffs Lewis Central. Uh, a couple of freshmen are in. One from Oklahoma, Jace Gilbert. Tyler Bittman, a redshirt freshman from Wisconsin, who I think had some accolades. Okay, if I remember. Correctly. I thought they signed a kid from Arizona that they. He is at least not on the roster yet, okay. and I don't know if they have all the right uh, all the true freshmen on the roster yet. But I don't. He might have changed commitment, too. But it's scary. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely scary. With close games. Uh, is there anybody in the transfer portal? I've done not the fish. Uh, Dave Sproul joining us as we talk Iowa State. Dave, thank you for being so flexible. We appreciate it. Did you know that uh, your twins were on YouTube yesterday? Yes, I did. You did? How do you find that yeah. stuff out? You just Google uh, it. Uh, I got... I got the MLB uh, app. I check that regularly to see where they're on TV and what time they play and who they play and all that stuff. Sounds like I missed a hell of a finish, right? You did. (laughs) (laughs) That was awesome. Yeah, I bet. Dave, thank you. Appreciate it. White Sox this week for what, four? Four games? Yes. How about you, Tate? Yep. Ooh, baby. A lot of eyeballs on that one, including my two. Thank you, Dave Sproul. Appreciate it. My pleasure, as always. Thank you, Dave. Talk to you next week. Dave Sproul, 1430 KASI. That's a big series. It is a huge Ooh, series. Baby. They can, for all intents and purposes, el- eliminate the White Sox. You think? You go up nine. That's what they would be up if they, if what, is they, if, if they, they take sweep. all four? Probably, well, okay. Pretty close. Mm-hmm. With then, after the All-Star break, the trade, de- trade deadline right around the corner. Remember, yeah. we're a little bit later. We're deeper it's, into uh, the season. Right. It's early August. But if it goes the other way, they can go right. into the All-Star break up a half a game? Uh, what, a game. A game. Yes. Be the uh, man. Huge series. Cueto gets the ball tonight, and the Twins are just trying to figure it out here at the end. Archer's close to coming back. In fact, it'll be Sunny Gray here tonight against Cueto. Tomorrow, Michael Kopech. Talk about inconsistent. Yeah, really. Against Devin Smeltzer. Eh. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Lance Lynn against Dylan Bundy. What time's that game Saturday? One ten. One ten. So no Fox or, or um, no evening. Coverage of that one, nope. obviously. And then uh, Sunday TBD, but there's a lot of talk that it'll be Dylan Cease. That'll get the ball for the White Sox. That and one. that's why he's not going to get to the All-Star right. game. Well, he should have a- been there anyway. He should have been there, and then, okay, he's going to pitch mm-hmm. Sunday, and then, well, he's obviously not right. eligible to pitch. But take part, and you part get a replacement. of Yes. Is there a Sunday night game? I don't think there is going into the All-Star break, there is, is there? not, no. Last game, uh, 310, Diamondbacks and Padres. All right, Swamp People, it is. 11.20. We'll uh, talk some NFL when we come back. We've got another $1,000 to try and give away. Indeed, it is time for another $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com. Once you get there, enter this nationwide keyword. The keyword is green. Green at KXNO.com. Green at KXNO.com. Your chance to win $1,000. Miller and Condon, yes, sir. Talked a lot about the kicking game for Iowa State. Uh-huh. Also, the punny game. Yeah, Mavis was doing it all by the end of the year. Yeah, the kid from Australia. I mean, as we said last year, the only Australian punter that didn't work out. Here is the three punters listed on the Iowa State roster: Cameron Shook, who we've seen a couple of times. Not exactly a lot of confidence there. Average, I think, thirty-four yards per punt. Oh boy. 
a redshirt senior from Virginia, Ben Garberini. Is he a transfer? Has he been there? I've never heard of the guy. I've never heard of him. And it doesn't have also a college listed. Let's see if anything has popped up here. Uh, he was at D3. So there we go. We got a D3 transfer coming in. He started his career at Christopher Newport. Is that a thing? No, that was his high school. So there's another guy. Mm-hmm. And the third punter listed on the roster. Da, da, da. I lost it. It's not good. <laughs> And if it is going to be one of those years. What if Cyhawk comes down to a field goal for either school? Neither can be confident right, right now. They were both not good during the spring. Mm-hmm. There wasn't that guy that you would hope that to land mm-hmm. in the both Both schools got kicking questions. If it comes down to that, a field goal kicking contest, who are you taking? <laughs> it's a coin flip. Jeez. Uh, Miller and Condon, we will talk some NFL football next with Nick Athen. He covers the Chiefs. Uh, he'll join us as we continue on here again. The keyword was uh, green, green at kxno.com. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. Your side. Victory Mounds is your ace when it comes to premium baseball and softball products and services. Utilizing our vast game and industry expertise, we sell portable pitching mounds, field equipment, and field products that we trust, use, and have used when coaching or playing. But that's not all. Victory Mounds Field Consulting Services can help you improve the quality and playability of your field. Craig Allison has years of experience in the mound business and is Victory Mounds National Sales Executive, while Mike Donahoe is in charge of field equipment and products. Visit VictoryMounds.com to see what Victory Mounds can do for you. Maybe you're thinking about franchising your business or purchasing a franchise. There's an experienced and trustworthy franchise lawyer right in your backyard. Don't waste your time or money searching for a lawyer out of state when Rush Niggett is here and ready to help your business. Hi, I'm Rush. I've specialized in business and franchise law for the past 25 years. I don't just want to be your lawyer. I want your business to succeed as much as you do. Your business needs Rush. Visit his award-winning blog at RushOnBusiness.com. It's good to have Rush on You get your podcast. Wolf Construction and Wolf Roofing are currently hiring. What makes Wolf Construction a better place to work is that when we think about developing the whole person is important, whether that person is a new carpenter labor on a job site or that person's a project accountant that works in the office. It doesn't matter who. It becomes more than just a job or a company you show up to. It becomes part of the Wolf family. Competitive pay, excellent benefits, and a $1,000 sign-on bonus. Apply today. At Wolf Construct. Indulgence. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircusSports.com. Dot com, right? Here's Ken and Trent. All right, Miller and Condon, welcome back to Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Nick Athen on the Chiefs in just a moment. Got to remind you one more time, Nick McEnzie, MIC sponsors 
uh, this radio endeavor. Uh, they also asked us to promote some of the local farmers markets throughout the community. That's a busy night tonight, being Thursday. Of course, the big one, Valley Junction from four until eight. Polk City has their uh, tonight every Thursday through the uh, first Thursday in September. That's on the town square from four until seven. And for those of you in Perry listening in that part of uh, Iowa, call that Central Iowa. Could absolutely, you? absolutely do it. Uh, Perry from four until seven. That's at the Josh Davis Plaza. So three local farmers markets tonight: Valley Junction, Polk City. And Perry, thank you, Nick McNCMIC. Nick Athen talks about those Kansas City Chiefs with us right now, a team that was 14 and 2 two years ago, 12 and 5 last year. Uh, Nick, I'm, I'm not going to come on and say the window's closing. I think that would be ridiculous as long as Patrick Mahomes is still there and Andy Reid is on the sidelines. But. I do think maybe we're looking at a step back this year. That, that doesn't mean they're not going to win the division. They're still a really a, a, a tough, tough out. But I think the AFC West, for the first time in a few years, um, there's some opportunities there. We'll put it that way. How about that? Is that fair? Yeah, I look at it as a step up in the division. I mean, you've got the Broncos who are clearly better. The Chargers, if they can just kind of get out of their own way. You know, with the coaching staff, the Raiders, you know, that's a crapshoot. We don't know. But, you know, the Chiefs are going to definitely have more competition. But, you know, if you look at the AFC West games, even though the Chiefs have dominated the division in the last five, six, seven years, you know, outside of the Raiders games, maybe a couple of Broncos here and there, there haven't been a lot of blowouts. You know, it's been a possession here or turnover here or, you know, something has evolved in the game where they're all relatively close. And I don't think that's going to change this year. Um, it just means it's going to be more exciting for the fans because perception is that those teams are better. The perception is the Chiefs may take a step back. But, you know, like you said, with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and, uh, you know, with Nagy coming on board, kind of running the offense now, I, I, I think that's a pretty mighty competition. I, I think these guys have a huge chip on their shoulders. So um, some of these people who say they aren't going to make the playoffs, that's, that's just hogwash. <laughs> Clyde Edwards Alaire, when he was drafted two years ago, Ken was losing his mind. Yeah. Oh, this offense is already great. Now they're getting him. Yep. He has not been the compliment that many people, Ken included, thought he was going to be. <clears throat> in a season where McKinnon showed some flashes, you got Gore, Ronald Jones, the second comes in. There's some dudes at the running back spot along with CEH. What do you anticipate out of him, and how much of a timeshare is it going to be at running back this season? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, Nagy likes to run the football, and I, I think the Chiefs are going to, you know, with their offensive line, I think, you know, if they had to run the football in the Bengals game, either one of them, they probably would have won both. But, you know, I, I think I think Clyde, you know, he's he's working his tail off this offseason. You know, he's he sees the writing on the wall. They brought in a couple of guys that, you know, are, are aiming for his spot. You know, they got a couple of draft picks and undrafted free agents they signed that look pretty good, too, so. The running back position is going to be stacked for this football team, and that tells me if they put such an importance on signing and drafting guys that, that they intend to shift the offense just a little bit uh, to where they can establish a running game, which I think they need to. Uh, in games where they've run the ball well, you know, with Clyde and others over the last couple of years, they've pretty much dominated in those games. So I think that was a wake-up call to what happened last year. But to answer your question direct, you know, Clyde, is, it, it's, it's his job. Uh, to keep, and it's his job to perform. And, you know, he was injured last year. I think he had a hernia issue, wasn't disclosed, um, at least not disclosed in public circles. Um, and I think he's healthy now. So uh, we're, we're probably going to see the best Clyde Edwards-Alaire 
we've seen today thus far. Uh, who's going to uh, man the left tackle position? Because they are apparently the the contract uh, with Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, last I checked, wasn't close. Nick, maybe maybe not uh, have a left tackle when training camp opens. What's the latest with their left tackle, Orlando Brown? Uh, right, let's see, rookie agent who's never had an NFL client before competing and going up against the guy who's got a Super Bowl ring in Brett Beach. Uh, it's not a good. It's not a good mix. Um, he wants twenty five million dollars a year. That's not going to happen. Um, he's he's worth maybe eighteen to twenty in my book. I think he's a top five left tackle. I wouldn't put him in the Trent Williams category. He wants to reset the market at twenty five to twenty six million per year. If they weren't willing to pay Tyreek Hill that, they're certainly not going to pay Orlando Brown Jr. that. So uh, a name to keep an eye on is Eric Fisher. He's a free agent, former chief, yep. still lives in Overland Park. Uh, I still think yeah, he's a good possibility to come back if they don't get this thing with Brown taken care of. But, you know, the Chiefs own his rights for the next two years at a, at a number that fits their cap. Whether or not he's going to sign his franchise tender or not or hold out, there's no, there's no reason to hold out after Friday at 3 o'clock because once that happens, the negotiating window closes until after the season. Um, you know, they can certainly talk about a deal, but they can't execute or, or get anything done. But my understanding is that Beach is not going to overpay and make the same mistake he would have paid for Matthew and Clark and Jones. He's just not going to do that anymore, and I think that's wise because look at the brilliance of the Tyreek Hill trade and look at all the draft capital and players that it afforded the Chiefs to add. They basically traded one guy for nine. So, uh, you know, don't be surprised if Brown's traded. Don't be surprised if he's signed. But for right now, I think Eric Fisher's probably the best chance at left tackle at this point if Orlando Brown decides to hold out. Interesting. Over to the defense, who made such big strides <laughs> last year. September, they were brutal. I understand how it ended against Buffalo in that shootout game, but in between... That team played a lot of good defense. And now they got pieces with Karloftis and Dana coming in, and, and they got some dudes yep. up front to help out. This defense, you mentioned the running game and relying on that more. Relying a little bit more on the defense also in 2022, is that a fair expectation for the fan base? Yeah, they have to. I mean, I, I, I love the Justin Reed signing. I think that's going to be one of the best signings they had in the entire offseason. You know, he brings a fresh attitude. He's younger than Matthew. He plays harder than Matthew does. Um, he's a guy with a chip on his shoulder. He played for the Texans, so he's been elevated to the big leagues. Um, you know, I think Chris Jones is probably has to wake in, up in his last year. Yep, maybe he's his last year in Kansas City. We'll see for Chris Jones, but they have to play better. I mean, they they can't put all the pressure on Patrick Mahomes. They can't rely on him exclusively. I think they finally see that now. They drafted well. They brought some speed. You know, Nick Bolton's going to be great. Now, Gay's going to be great. He's going to play more in passing downs. That's going to help this defense. If, if they can generate some sort of pass rush, and that's just the biggest unknown right now. What happened to Chris Jones? Because this was a guy they, they paid a lot of money to, and, and, and the, after they, or prior to him mm-hmm. getting paid, he looked like he deserved to be paid. Now he looks like that this is a contract that they shouldn't have uh, gone forward with. What happened to him? You know, I don't know. I mean, you know, he got paid a lot of money, and sometimes some players get paid a lot of money. They lose their edge. But to me, you know, he's had one sack in four years in the postseason. I mean, think about that. You're paying this guy $80, $90, million, and, you know, he's got one sack. Now, granted, he batted a few balls down in the Super Bowl against the 49ers that helped win that football game. But, you know, I, I don't get it. I mean, I think part of the issue last year was inside-outside. You know, he's not an outside guy. He's an inside guy. 
Uh, nobody can convince me otherwise. That experiment didn't work. Uh, but they just didn't have another pass rusher. For me, he has to have two guys on the outside. You know, if Clark can come back, Carlassus can play well. Now, Clark's lost by 25 pounds, so he's lean. He's really slim. He's more like a, a true outside linebacker, probably going to come in at 255, maybe 260, which is about 20 pounds less than what he normally does. So that could help him be a little bit faster. But for Jones, he's just got to make plays. But if he doesn't have an edge rusher or two on the outside, he's just going to get double and triple team, and that just makes him ineffective. How many years left for Andy Reid? 64 years old, big guy, health's been a problem, has had a lot of personal things also Mm -hmm. in his life. If you had to put a number on it, how many years do you think is left for Andy Reid? Two. I think he's going to coach two more years. I think Nagy, Nagy's the heir apparent. He's going to be Oof, the guy running good. the show. <laughs> yeah, no question of, there's no question about it, it's going to be Nagy. Uh, he and Beach are really tight. Um, you know, Andy had to convince him a little bit, but, you know, he wants to be a head coach again. He wants to prove what happened in Chicago didn't, didn't quite pan out and had a lot to do with outside forces. But, you know, I, I, think, Andy, I think Andy's going to win another Super Bowl in one of the next two years. I think that solidifies, if it hasn't already, his Hall of Fame stature. He'll work as a consultant for the Chiefs. He'll have his boy, Nagy, as the head coach. They'll, they'll shift things. They'll do things differently. But, you know, maybe three years at the outset, he said he wants to, to keep on this contract, which has three more years. But if he wins another Super Bowl, he's got nothing left to prove. You know, you're right. He's had a lot of family issues. Yep. You know, he's had some weight conditions, some health conditions. He had a big health scare last year. Um, you know, honestly, if they'd have won the Super Bowl the last year, or the year before, I, I I don't think he'd be the head coach right now. I think he would have been satisfied with with two or three under his belt. But give me one, get him one more in the next couple of years, and I think, you know, with Nagy there, um, being the heir apparent, like I said, that that makes the, the transition a lot easier. Indeed, it does. Nick, what's it going to take to win the AFC West last year? Twelve and five got it done this uh, this past season. What about uh, what about this season, upcoming season? I'm thinking 12 or 13 probably gets it done. It'll probably be back to 12. It's Listen, these teams are going to knock each other off. And the AFC is so talented with quarterbacks. And all these good teams play all the other good teams in the other divisions. And and I, I think it's going to be hard, even for the Chiefs, if they're playing well, or the Chargers, or the Broncos, or the Bengals, or the Bills. You know, they've got a much tougher schedule, much tougher divisions, all of them. And they're going to beat each other up. So there's not going to be a there's not going to be a 14-3 and three team or – 15 and two team. I just, I don't see how that's possible. Um, but I, I think, I think 13, probably 13 wins, 12 wins, wins the FC West. And I don't think you're going to see a team in the division that's going to, that's going to have more than four wins um, in any of these divisions. They're just in the FC is just too stacked right now. Who do you like in the NFC? We were talking about the other day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got the Packers, Tampa with Brady, the Rams, the defending champion. Oh, is there a team, a dark horse even, anything that you like? Certainly not the same depth that we have in the AFC this year. Right. You know, that's a tough question because, I mean, I mean, I look at the Arizona Cardinals, and they should be great. Should be. I mean, they should just be, you know, even with Hopkins out for the first six games, they should be great. They have the quarterback. They have the head coach. They have the defensive personnel. They have the offensive personnel. They've got a great staff. But for whatever reason, with injuries and everything that happened last year, they just they couldn't sustain their, their great start. So for me, even though that's a tough division, well, with the, with the Rams, 49ers, 
You know, 49ers can make a huge comeback, too. I agree. You know, if they get their quarterback situation settled, yep. they have as talented a roster, you know, as anybody in, in on the NFC side. But, you know, when it all comes down to it, is it going to be, you know, Brady? Is it going to be, you know, Rodgers? Um, you know, the Rams, that's a great story. That's a great team. They spent a lot of money in the offseason. You know, they're, they're clearly the team to beat. But, you know, I, I, I think the Arizona Cardinals, if they can survive the first six weeks without Hopkins, their schedule is pretty decent. I took a look at it a couple of weeks ago. Um, I, I think they're my dark horse um, to, to, to make some noise in the NFC. Nick Ath- the entire year. Well, you'll see the the, uh, the Cardinals and the Chiefs week number one in yep. Phoenix. A pretty good game to start uh, to start the regular season. PrimetimeSportsTalk.com. Nick will join us throughout the season. Nick Hathen, great to talk to you. Thanks for doing this, Nick. Appreciate it. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate yep. you. Take care. Nick Hathen, so we talk a little Chiefs. So, Trent, they've got seven games before their bye. Seven games seven. before the bye. Okay. Uh, at Arizona. Uh-huh. Home to Charger. Okay. At Colt. Oof. At Buccaneers, Jesus. Home to Raiders, okay. Home to the Bills, huh. At Niners, three and four is not a stretch. It's not crazy, right? Two and five is a possibility. The Arizona game's big, absolutely big. monstrous. Holy, because cow. the Chargers are going to be a pain in the you know what. And at Colts, I think the Colts game is tricky. Yes. I think Buffalo's got a little revenge factor on their mind uh-huh. when they show up at Arrowhead. Divisional games against the Raiders, it just. There's a ton here, and even after the bye, it's the Titans. <laughs> I mean, we've seen plenty of interesting yeah. games between those two. It does lighten up a bit in the second half, but that gauntlet, that first seven, yeah. whoa. In that second half, though, they've got to go to Cincy. They've got another one with the Chargers. They've got to play the Super Bowl champs. Um, Houston's on there, which is good. Seattle's on there, which is good. Denver, who they've owned the last couple of years, Maybe get a split there. I'm not so sure they win the West. Looking at that schedule, I am leaning your way. What are the Chargers to win the West? What did you tell me? I think yesterday? two to one. I think it was about plus one fifty ish for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. two to one for the Chargers, plus two eighty for the Broncos. But the Raiders were seven. Now you you thought about taking a flyer on them yesterday. They were good last year. They made huge improvements yeah. and won a playoff game. Beat a really good team in the playoffs. Yeah. What I thought was a really good team in the playoffs. Now you add one of the best wide receivers in the uh-huh. game. It's going to help coach. out David Carr a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think he will. Guy that knows how to run an offense. Uh-huh. Guy that's learned from his mistakes, much like his mentor Bill Belichick well, did. That's in Cleveland. true because he had to. That's a fair point. Uh-huh. Absolutely fair. Guys, the second time around can make big improvements. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen every time, but it does happen often in the NFL. You called McBlunder. Well, he was in Denver. He, he was, was a young bad. coach. Yes, he was. There's been plenty of coaches that have had issues all over the yeah. place. Mike Shanahan failed. Well, now you failed in a big-time way. Boy, but I did. that was good news when Nick said that as a Broncos fan. <laughs> Is there any Chiefs fan out there that wants that to happen? If they watched what the Bears became, well, that's just it. Did they see what he? Did they watch his body of work with the Bears? Now it's easy to point at that organization and say they stink because mm-hmm. they do. Yeah. It's a badly, poorly run organization, mm-hmm. and that's your excuse. Hey, he's coming back to Kansas City. He was great here before. He's going to be great again. Does he have a? Did he come back to Kansas City with a promise? Because I'm like Nick said, and I agree with this part of it that he wants to be a head coach again. And is this the best spot? A transitional time. And if it struggles, the offense struggles this year, who's going to get the blame? Nagy. 
Right. It's not going to be Andy Reid. He's won the Super Bowl. It's not no. going to be Patrick Mahomes. We know how good he can you be. You know who's not getting a head coaching job is Eric Bieniemy. Oh, we I know think that. that ship has sailed. But now Nagy goes into the spot where if it goes well, well, of course it goes well because you have Patrick Mahomes. Right. If but, it goes bad, that's a scary spot to I be. I get they got a boat a boatload of draft picks for mm-hmm. Tyreek Hill. Trent, this was as big of a weapon as there was in professional football. But the reason that they did this is sustainability. It's not about 2022. It's about the next decade of Kansas City Chief football. Sure. But you want to build my, yourself on a platform. I, I agree. But to, the, go ahead. But that's what it is. Yeah, it, I get it. But we're, what, in the here and now, they're not as good without Tyreek Hill. But the way that New England became a power for two decades is they did it that way. It wasn't about just looking at the next it year. It was too soon before too late. It was looking at yeah. the big picture. And that's what Kansas City and Veach, the GM, is trying to do. Mm-hmm. He is looking at this. It's through 2032. We got homes for the next decade plus. Yeah. That's what we're doing. And we have to build this sustainable. You can't put yourself behind. Look what happened in Seattle when they kept chasing and chasing and chasing. And then salary cap kills you. Mm-hmm. And then look what happens. And it blows up. And suddenly those veterans are leaving. You're behind the eight ball. You can't sign free agents. And it goes poorly quickly, even with the guy as talented as Russell Wilson. That's what Kansas City yeah. is hoping to avoid. I, I get it. I, you're 100% right. I agree with every one of your points. But when it comes to this year. But here comes the but. Yeah, I just, they're not as good without they're them. They're not. But they're better in 2023, in the long run. In 24, in and the 25. Long run. Yeah. Making this kind mm-hmm. of move. That's the way you have to look at it. That wide receiver group, though, who scares you? Nobody. Juju Smith Schuster. I mean, there's a reason that they, they, he flamed out in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Marcus Hardman's Vel- okay. Scantley, no, fine. Hardman's fast. Well, and then you got Josh Gordon if he can stay on the field. Well, and they got a couple of those guys too. They got the old uh, Bills guy, right? Sammy Watkins, isn't he there? No, he's. Oh, in, or did he go somewhere he's, else? He's in uh, Green Bay. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck there mm-hmm. too. Another you know wide who they've got room. that I'm rooting for? Justin Ross, the kid from uh, the kid from Clemson, yes. and Darius Fountain from you and I. Couple of is he guys. on the is yes. he on the roster too? Yeah, but the Ross kid who was I mean, he was about to take college football by storm. Uh-huh. And, and did in his freshman campaign and then injuries and he wasn't even drafted for crying out loud. Yeah. The, he's he's the you know why why NIL needs to come to college sports prior to it, you know, actually Excellent. becoming official. He's the he was the poster child Ross for that. He would have broken the bank and then he got broken and it looked like he wasn't going to end well. Uh we will come back. Let's see if we can end well by giving well, I'm not good. I'm going to listen to trends. You can pass out the winners. Circus Sports sponsors, if you missed it earlier, the keyword in the eleven o'clock hour was green. Green at KXNO.com. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, one oh six point three. Most everyone knows that the Grumpy Goat Tavern has great lunches and dinners. But did you know that the Grumpy Goat Tavern also has breakfast? Classics like steak and eggs, the hangover burrito, chorizo biscuits and gravy. You can step it up with the shrimp and grits, breakfast fried rice, or hot chicken and waffles. And don't forget the big-ass cinnamon roll. Plus, bottomless Bloody Marys and mimosas. Do brunch at the Grumpy Goat Tavern. Mills Civic in West Des Moines, 50th Street in West Des Moines, and in Ankeny. Participating U.S. Wendy's. The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports with two ways to win and no rate. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. 
Visit CircusSports.com for details. It's time for Trent's Pick of the Day. Brought to you by Circus Sports Iowa. Here's Ken and Trent. All right, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Final couple of minutes. Trent's play of the day. Circus Sports sponsors that. You know, Trent, previously I've told you that I'm, I'm uh, hopeful that uh, one of these sports operators will come up with a device that you can set, for instance, when I go to bet Gonzaga, mm-hmm. it shocks me. Um, I don't I th- know about the legal sense if that's going to be available for you. <laughs> you have to sign a waiver. Uh, if indeed somebody does, I'm going to see if uh, you would be interested in doing similar when you go to get bet against Otani. What, what is wrong with me? What is wrong I with you? I have no idea. I, I see the value. I know Otani's great. I said it yesterday. I get these guys. It used to be Dylan Cease for me. Yeah. And, and I'd bet him one way. If I bet him to win, he'd be terrible in the opposite way. And that's why it's been very slow for me to come around on Dylan Cease. And they're just, if you're betting baseball like I do on a day in and day out basis, there are these certain pitches. Because ultimately, that's what you're betting. You're betting pitchers every day more than teams and matchups and value and, and all those kind of things. And I just, I looked at it and I, oh boy, Houston plus money. Why wouldn't you? Well, you'd think, right? It seems because Houston's pretty good after all. You're right. <laughs> Yesterday, I had the right call in the Arizona game. Zach Gallon pitched his ass off. He was great. And the bullpen mm-hmm. coughed it up. They lost four to three. But you know what? What do you like to say? Yeah, they're going to sing the anthem somewhere today. Let's get after it. Yeah, let's kick things off here this afternoon as Colorado plays host to San Diego. Freeland, the pitching matchup. Blake Snell. Remember when his star was rising? I do. I do. Not the same guy. He was really good the last time out. I don't see sustainability. I'm going to take the Rockies plus the 121 with the first pick. I love guys uh, betting against them coming off of ILs. I also love veterans making their first start of the year on July 14th. Who's that? Annabelle Sanchez. Oh, really? Yeah, he'll do that for the Nats today against Atlanta. I'm going to lay the one and a half with the Bravos. So a letdown after Atlanta takes on the Mets, maybe? Not quite going there. No, okay. I, I'm, I'm jumping on Atlanta here. Laying oh, you're one taking Atlanta. Yes. Okay, gotcha. Against Sanchez, uh, still minus 130, even laying the mm. one and a half. They're a pretty significant one. Let's go to the big central matchup, American League, as the White Sox go to the Twins 4-4 going into the All-Star break. Johnny Cueto's pitching well. So Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray's not going to go very deep. No. Cueto went eight in his last start, I think. Something like that. Yeah. I'm going Cueto here and the plus money. Plus 141. It's a pretty good price, it I is. think, on the White Sox. It is. And what feels like certainly a series, at the very least, they have to tread water and maybe even win it feeling good into the break and huh. wrap it up. Yeah. Cubs are not good. No. Mets are. Carlos Carrasco's okay. Thompson's a good pitcher, but I only have to lay minus 124 at Circa with the Mets against the Cubs. Yeah, I just got knocked off by Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to do that once again, so I'll be going against the Cubs for the third straight day. And I think that's probably the trend to stick with. How big of a favorite are the Blue Jays against the Royals, who leave 10 guys at home? So it was not listed here on my app because I looked at that one and seeing Mm -hmm. what it was going to be. Let's see if I can find it. It's Gossman for Toronto. I have no idea who's pitching for Kansas City. And I think that's why it wasn't listed there. Yeah, still not listed at a couple Mm -hmm. of different places. So waiting for who is going to be. New manager? Who took over for Montoya? Uh, Schneider's his name. He was there. Uh, uh, he worked his way through the system. He coached uh, Bichette and uh, Vladdy Jr. Uh, and Biggio and Guriel. So he's you know he took those kids through the minors. He worked his way up. He's been in the organization for 20 years. We'll see. Well, we uh, have high school state baseball next week. Still waiting for the brackets, though. 
So they're going through right now the arguments, the coaches, as they're going through and voting who's going to be what seed. Ought to be a fly in the wall in one of those hmm. meetings sometime. I would love that. But still no brackets for Class 4A and 3A yet as they finish up those meetings. So you'll know tomorrow maybe? Uh, where This afternoon and oh, they'll gotcha. be out. All right, that's going to do it for us. Appreciate you being with us here this morning. Uh, Murph and Andy are coming in at uh, 1, the Fanatics at 3 o'clock. Joe Stacy's got Barnstormer Weekly tonight at 6. We're Miller and Condon weekdays from 10 to noon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.